Happy Wednesday, everyone. Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. My name is Andrew Beam. I'm Corey Dempsey. So we, again, are introducing you, or just recording an introduction to the second part of our best songs in hip-hop from 1988. Uh... This one, we're going to hear both the number threes from Steve and Corey. So, uh, Corey, you want to tell us a little bit more about the episode today? Yeah, so I'll start with the last episode. In the last one, we talked about the importance of 88, and we shared uh, some of our picks. First one was Children's Story by Slick Rick, which was our number five, uh, both for Steve and I. Um, We talked a lot about Straight Outta Compton by NWA, which was Steve's number four and my number one. And then I talked about My Philosophy by Boogie Down Productions, which was my number four. And so in this episode, we're going to pick up with the number threes. Uh, We'll talk about the number twos, and we'll talk about our number ones. They're all going to be uh, different in this episode. So we're going to have the opportunity to go through five different songs in this episode. Of course, you won't hear them. You're going to be hearing some nice elevator music. And yeah, oddly enough, Corey just had to go ahead and let everyone know what his number one was. But I guess he was in the awkward position of Steve choosing his number one fairly early on and not being able to just sit on his hands there. Um, also, too, just want to remind everyone, I know we're saying Steve. We're talking about Steve Tyson, who goes by the stage name Elect. Coincidentally, he just actually had an album that came out on Saturday, on February 13th. Uh his new album or his debut album, Intellectual Property. Go check it out. I think it's what, about seven songs. It's pretty quick to get through, but it's an enjoyable seven songs and uh, definitely something you all should give a listen to. So anyways, here is the conclusion of the top five songs in hip-hop from 1988. <laughs> Steve, let's go to your number three then. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, getting back to uh, the top songs or like of '88, uh, from my perspective, I think that uh, number three would be you know getting, getting, connecting back with reality and, and what was going on at the time. Um, in addition to just some immaculate production, and we talk about sampling um, and just you know intricate and introspective lyricism, it would be Public Enemy's uh, "Night of the Living Beethoven." I was hoping you'd pick that one. So, Public Enemy is also on my list. I did not choose that song. Steve, why did you go with the Night of the Living Bassheads? Um, I went for I went for this one because I mean I think that it's it's probably the most important song on uh, It Takes a Nation Millions to Hold Us Back. I would have felt that Fight the Power was, but that didn't come out on this album, and so therefore it doesn't count for '88. So this one, for me, I think that uh, it, it definitely um, fits that because it's talking of directly around, you know, you know, the ravages of crack and, and the whole crack epidemic and how it was affecting the black community. And, um, you know, it was also known as like freebasing. And so that's where you get the, the name Baseheads from. Um, and so you have like these zombies walking around, you know, whether it's Brooklyn, Harlem, you know, all these different places. And. Um, you know, the, the music video in itself, too, it uh, connects directly with, you know, it, it's it's based around like that, you know, news, like a newscaster, news outlet thing. It features MC, you mentioned MC Light is 
Um, you know, like we mentioned NC Light earlier, and I think that, you know, it, you know, it definitely features her in it. Uh, Flavor Flav, obviously, is, you know, being a character it visually as well as, um, you know, just his role within um, the group as a hype man. But, you know, Chuck D's lyrics just directly and poignantly um, talking about, you know, everything that's going on and, and how the crack epidemic is affecting us. Um, are affecting us and, um, you know, and, and it, and parallels to how heroin is, you know, ravaging so many communities, um, black, white, and, you know, colors around and through, you know, in, in America. It's crazy. And so it's definitely something that's also still very much relevant today. So, so at least just to start, like, that's why I put it in my top five and, um, have it currently as number three. But then you also get musically with, you know, the bomb squad and, it, their production on the song is absolutely incredible. There's like 20 something samples in the song. Um, you know, it, it kicks off with Khalid Muhammad, you know, and, and, and that powerful message. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's such an impactful and, and powerful and dope ass boom bap, like traditional boom bap hip hop record for sure. Yeah, dude, that beat like that hits you hard like it's to me it's not like an it's not an introduction song but it just kind of felt like that the way that it opens up with it but mm. yeah mm-hmm. Beam, when we were listening you know you pointed out that horn in the background yeah. that's constantly going <laughs> off and i think it, it i think that provides a sense of urgency to the song because yeah. it's kind of like just always there in the background almost like an alarm going off or like a police siren or whatever it makes me feel like i'm in like 28 days later and like chuck d's just like in the middle of chaos just spin yeah yeah, it's a, it's a really great beat. The 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 samples, like you said, Steve, are perfect. You know, Steve, you also mentioned that the Bomb Squad. This was your favorite produced record of the year. Can you talk yeah. about that a little bit? I mean, it, it's just it, it kind of connects in a bit to you know what was then limited after you know a year like this, where you know they were able to just freely dig through you know, music and, and, and uh, that preceded them to create this sonic landscape uh, that, that, you know, it gives you effects, you know, where you th- where certain horn samples sound like, you know, a, a, a siren and, a, you know, an emergency or um, the way that the bass hits you and, and like the drums, you know, kick in. It's like, oh shit, like, you know, it, 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 that's driving you forward to this, um, you know, all the, the, you know, just the music and, and uh, the musical palette that they had. Um, it's just, you know, Hank Shackley is just absolutely incredible as a, as a producer. And I like, I feel, you know, it's, it, you know, it's like, damn, it's so unfortunate how, you know, a lot of the legal stuff impeded folks from being able to be as creative as they were, but it's not going to, you know, impede somebody, you know, creatively overall. So he's still able to do what he needed to do. And, um, is still able to do what he needs to do, but you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, the bomb squad is just the truth <laughs> for real i mean i used to talk about ice cube and how he leaned on them whenever he went solo after leaving nwa i mean they're, they're, they 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 they're everywhere <laughs> they're blow- everywhere in this era it blows my mind the ability because it is it, there is something about it i don't know if it's patience or just what it is or knowing what to look for but being able to <clears throat> listen to a song like you said, having these vast musical palettes and being able to just to pick out that one sound and being able to sort of either loop that, cut that and just do whatever the way that they modify those sounds. Like that's when I was like, just sort of thinking like when you, when this, you know, I should probably just look up the fucking court case, but like, you know, when that was, you know, when that was decided and obviously putting these restrictions on the ability to sample, 
it's almost just sort of thinking like, yes, like they obviously pulled from something that they liked, a sound they heard that that they that they wanted, but it almost just like they made it something totally different than than its original form, and that it's just, mm-hmm. it, it, but in that in and of itself is just such an amazing ability. Totally agreed. So my number three is my personal choice. I I mentioned this before, maybe when we were offline, but I kind of have one in my top five that maybe doesn't belong here, but it means a lot to me. I love it a lot. And that is Stetsasonics talking all that jazz. Yeah, excellent choice. I knew a Stetsasonic song was going to be on here. That was on your <laughs> list. Very happy that it was this one too. I, I mean, I wouldn't have known which one to pick, but it's just the way they, the lyrics on this too, I think kind of what's old in that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this choice needs a little bit of context. So I'm going to give a little bit of background about the story. So basically James Mtume, a jazz musician went on a New York radio show and he was raising some objections about rap music and how they were sampling a lot of these songs. And then the Stetsasonic rapper Daddio went on to the show and took the position of kind of defending hip hop. And in the aftermath of that, we got this song. And so that is kind of where the whole concept comes from about people talking all that jazz about hip hop. And, you know, I I just wanted to point out kind of the opening line that they use for this song, because I think it kind of perfectly encapsulate that encapsulates that. Sorry. He says, well, here's how it started. Heard you on the radio talking about rap, saying all that crap about how we sample, giving examples, think we'll let you get away with that. You criticize our methods of how we make records. You says it wasn't art, so now we're going to rip you apart. And so I love this idea of creating a hip-hop song, defending the art form, and then centering it around such a jazz-centric sample with the bass line that he has. And then he also sampled the drums from James Mtume's Juicy. So he took mm-hmm. this guy's song... <laughs> And he sampled it about a song defending rap. And that's just incredible yep. stuff. <laughs> that's like a, that's almost like a diss track, but like not trying to be. It's like, it's not a, it's like, a shot's fired. yeah, <laughs> it's definitely firing shots and just incredible stuff by them. I, I, I just love that they did that. It seems like a big fuck you. And I, I, I respect it. <laughs> yeah. That line, yeah, no, I, I, no, that, line that stands out to me was just like, yeah, you said it wasn't art. So now we're going to rip you apart. It's just like, Okay. Like it's just it's a really good line of just being like, all right, strap in. Yeah. We're we're mm-hmm. now about to we're now about to tell you off. Yeah, Steve, what were you saying? No, I was just saying, yeah, like uh, this song definitely um is worthy of top five placement for sure. I mean it's it's another song that's in my honorable mention, um, for its influence definitely on me also. Um, you know, similarly to uh my philosophy, this song had another um, early impact on me as far as my appreciation of you know beat making production and like an understanding a bit of a story behind it like not only just like learning as a kid but then like of this story about you know Ntume and um, feeling this way about hip-hop and it's funny too because Ntume's song <laughs> Juicy was also or Juicy Fruit was also used by Biggie for Juicy yep. um, which I think was our in our top five for 94 wasn't it? <laughs> that was number one man <laughs> yeah exactly like <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's, it's very funny how like things kind of come around. But yeah, I mean, like you know, just also in in what you mentioned as far as like the music being jazz focused, like you know, it, it highlights the importance of you know sampling not just in creativity and creative expression, but also in you know being like a time capsule and a preserver of different sounds and music and cultures and and artists from um you know years prior who that might have been forgotten so uh you know like like another line of the song is tell the truth james brown is old till eric and rock came out with i got soul like because it's true like james brown as a, a public figure had kind of fallen by the wayside a bit and it wasn't until he started getting sampled extremely heavily in hip-hop in addition to um the rocky four movie that that really was a rocky three or rocky four we had uh the uh, living in america um, i think rocky that four song, was that f- oh yeah, yeah that because i was because the, 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 yep. what was his name the russian that kills With drago, apollo. drago. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah drago kills Dra- apollo yeah comes out to that and song so, and then gets fucking killed <laughs> exactly and 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 that but that song helped put in addition but but mainly even more so hip-hop in general put james brown back on the map and so like they're even acknowledging the the impact of sampling and stuff, even just in their lyrics as well, too. So, yeah, I love this song. I think it's a great choice. So I do want to just do a quick aside right here because we've been talking about it quite a bit throughout this episode about sampling and how things kind of got restricted here. And I, I just want to, Steve, I want to get your take on, do you feel like, I'm trying to see how to phrase this because I see where these artists are coming from. Their music is getting sampled. People are making money off of it and they're not seeing anything from it. But at the same time, it puts such a restriction on things. So like, was it right to do this? Where do you, where do you stand on it? But when it comes to the art of sampling in general. Yeah. And like, you know, or maybe just sort of the, the responsibility of it or just in terms of like who owes who might owe mm. what and in what way and and yeah. I, I always kind of wondered like couldn't it be just just an agreement between two artists where it's like it just gets hashed i mean i know that's a utopian sort of like you know a utopian just sort of dream Vision, yeah but like yeah i don't i don't know but yeah i am curious like how do you feel say like the original artists that they're getting sampled from you know, how should they be either recognized, uh, compensated, you know, or just how, how should this whole transaction work? I mean, you know, how far as how should it work? I mean, it definitely gets very utopian. I mean, you know, ideally it's, you know, the artists or the representatives of the artists coming to an amicable agreement that works well for both parties financially and the, and otherwise. But I mean, the, the biggest, issue in making that happen is record companies and record labels. I was just going to ask that. Is it the um, record the company? The legality that around that. Like, I mean, and also like management and legality around it, but all, yeah, it all ties in at the end of the day to just the, the business of music. And I mean, like everybody should be rightfully compensated for their creations and how their creations have influenced other things, especially if they're drawing directly from it um, or using it directly or if other people are using it directly. But I mean, at the same time, nothing exists in a vacuum. So everything has been influenced and and you know and and used as examples and samples um, in so many different ways in so many different contexts. So I mean, it's it's similar to like you know writing an academic paper. You know, 
a lot of you know <laughs> lit reviews aren't your words. Most of it, it's, it's mostly the words of other people, and hey, then you're just citing your where those sources come from. Exactly, and so if, and that's why we also miss liner notes and a lot of those things now. Whenever it comes to music and how we're consuming, um, you know, popular music and everything. So yeah, making sure those sources are cited, so to speak, um, is is critical. And my and also compensated is critical in my opinion. Yeah, I almost feel too like. I, I don't know. Maybe it's not like note for note, but it happens in rock music all the time, too. If you think of like later, even sort of like grunge era rock bands like Pearl Jam straight up admitted like alive. The lick from that is pulled from something from Kiss. Like that's that's it's they're not saying it's like an exact rip off, yeah. but it's like, you know, and I know that those those it's sampling that's it. That's it. It's, it is. Right. And you're, you're flipping it, you're making it your own, you're messing with the sound of it, whatever. But yeah, it is, it isn't applied in the same way. Um, definitely. Mm-hmm. No. And Steve, the point you were making at the end there about how James Brown was then brought back into kind of the public eye because his songs were being sampled so widely, you'd mm-hmm. think that some kind of amicable solution could be made because not only the sample is benefiting the the rapper, the hip hop artist, the R and B artist, whoever's using it in the beat, but it's also benefiting that person because as long as they're credited appropriately, then people mm-hmm. are like, "Oh my god, that's a dope song!" And like this happens all the time. There's these playlists that exist that are just like, "Where did these hip hop samples come from?" And then they just play those songs. I remember being at, yeah. a, at a brewery recently, and they just had a playlist going of the original tracks that hip hop songs sampled. And I, I loved yeah. it. It was oh, amazing. Was um, I think it was at, I, I can't even remember, huh. but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it does that as well as it brings people to an attention about their music as well. So you'd mm-hmm. think some kind of amicable sol- solution could be met. I also think too, yeah. like, when you're talking about like it in terms of any sort of publicity that you're doing around it, you know, owing the success of a song or something and at least talking about it enough like maybe it doesn't have to be contractual it's like in terms of like again the sort of utopian vision of just being like yeah the reason why this you know you're probably connecting with the song so much is because of this particular you know kind of like when we say just kind of random horn sounds or whatever if it wasn't for that i don't know if i would appreciate a song as much and to i think mm-hmm. yeah pay homage to it and then it also comes back to then also who owns the rights to right. certain songs, certain things. I mean, then it comes to owning your masters or making sure your royalties are coming directly to you. And fucking Taylor you know, Swift so many, that too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's so many artists past, present, and to be, you know, yet to exist that um, are going to be dealing and have dealt with so many of these legal issues that yeah. essentially come down to contracts and record recorded the recording industry and record labels. Yeah, it's a messy situation, but I just wanted to talk that out real quick because I think it is an interesting thing that is especially relevant in hip hop music because of how much sampling goes on. Yeah, absolutely. So, Steve, absolutely. take us uh, to your number two, man. What do you got? <laughs> absolutely. So my number two, um, I guess I'll introduce it by you know referencing a sample. So we already talked about how Bob James' song Nautilus was sampled in uh, Slick Rick's Children's Story. Uh, so it was also sampled in uh, a very unique and intriguing way in my number two song, uh, which is Eric B. and Rakim's Follow the Leader. So yeah, Follow the Leader, I mean, damn. Like that, that... 
Rakim proves himself as the god MC for a reason. Like that's that's he gets that name um, for for specifically yeah, you know that purpose. I mean, he he it's five minutes of just incredible rapping, um, rhyme skill delivery. You know, his flow switch up the 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 way in which he rhymes. Like he's the he's a pioneer and you know seemingly inventor of internal rhyming where instead of just being like rhyming at the end of the word like blah 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 rat blah 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 hat blah 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 cat it's like rhymes are inside of each of those lines too and it's just absolutely incredible I mean, it's, it's a it's a hundred bars of just lyrical onslaught in addition to the fact that he also made the beat and you know he doesn't get a lot of credit often for making the beats um you know that he and like of the songs of, between he him and uh, eric b but um yeah i mean he it, <laughs> You know, Rakim is is absolutely an incredible MC, producer, um, you know, storyteller, lyricist, and and you know, this song is just absolutely the, uh, the, the I don't I don't know if it's even you know the pinnacle of Rakim's career, but it's damn sure the pinnacle lyrically of 1988. Yeah, he's he's what draws you to his flow is just there's just something different about him, just in terms of the cadence and just sort of in, also in terms of just the speed that he goes at. It's it's immaculate. Yeah. And every single rapper that exists today exists because Rakim did it first. Like everybody was taking what he did. He set the template for everyone who came after in terms of switching up rhyme patterns and changing your flow within a verse and doing all those things. That was all Rakim. He did it first. He was who everyone emulated after that. Yeah. His, his rhyme schemes are crazy. Like, yeah, Corey, you were talking about just like lyrically, like where Rakim is at and um, a lot of stuff he's doing, you know, in this song and just in that era. And in the first verse, you know, he has that uh, alliteration between all the M. Uh, where he's like, music makes mellow maintains to make melodies for MCs, motivates the breaks. Like all those M's is just incredible. But I also like at the end, uh, towards the end of the song, wherever he has a diss toward EPMD and the fact that, you know, they're, the, they're another, uh, you know, major duo at the, of the era um in you know eric sermon and um parish but you know he says uh stop and a brother said dig him i never dug him he couldn't probably leave him long enough so i drug him um and <sighs> it's definitely a slide this toward epmd um because you know they, they were definitely you know trying to and were you know effectively making their uh waves as another major duo of the era but um, you know rakim kind of lays that to rest with that line as well too so yeah i mean I, the song is absolutely incredible on um, top to bottom lyrically production wise delivery you know it, it's definitely you know in my opinion like the best you know rap song of 1988 yeah i mean as far as as far as the uh art of rapping goes rock him is the king and you know, I I want to come clean about something right now. I did not choose fucking better. Jesus, he, like he reveals this while we're listening to the song. I'm gonna reveal <laughs> it. I'm gonna cop to it. So I did not choose an Eric B and Rakim song. I thought fucking shame. I thought long and Crazy. hard about including lyrics to Fury. Where I stand <laughs> with Rakim, and this is probably going to be an unpopular opinion, and I totally accept any criticism or you know clap back that comes from this but where i've always stood with him is i respect him more than i actually like him and i feel the same way about like eminem i don't mm. love their music all that much i respect the absolute fuck out of them and what they are able to do with language and with the art form of rapping i have nothing but the utmost praise for them. 
But at the same time, I just don't like it all that much. It doesn't resonate with me <laughs> as much. That's the hot take. That's like, yeah, that's, that's, that, yeah, that's, that's, I, I don't even know if I would air horn that, but I, I definitely uh, would agree that it's a hot take. Um, I mean, yeah, Eric B. and Rakim <laughs> did not include them in the 1988 playlist very much means that that playlist is one of your own opinions, um, which is awesome because that's exactly what these playlists are. <laughs> and Steve, you completely inverted both of those sound effects because Corey definitely said some womp womp shit <laughs> with not including Eric B and Rod Kim through and through. So. I'm sorry. I, I used the wrong sound effect. That is that is my fault. I went with the hot take one. Well, I think it's a little bit of both. It's a hot take, but it's a bit sad that you didn't do it. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I stand by my decision, and they're still included in it because Steve included it, and that's a cop out. I respect it for being included. I, that's, that's what I got to say. <laughs> As was up. As was up. So I'll go to my number two pick right now, and what I chose for that was Public Enemy, Bring the Noise. So where I want to start with that song is I knew something from Public Enemy had to be included because I feel like it takes a nation of millions front to back is the best record of the year, I think. Yeah, I would agree. And that also made it very, very challenging for me to choose a individual song from the record. You know, I thought about Louder Than a Bomb a lot. I thought about Don't Believe the Hype. I thought about uh, Party for Your Right to Fight. There are so many incredible songs. You know, Steve, you chose Night of the Living Bassheads. That's another incredible one. It just has so many bangers on it. And I yep. ultimately settled on Bring the Noise. And, you know, it was a song that was that had a big part in me getting into hip hop. And this is going to be like the ultimate suburban white kid thing, but where it came from was Tony Hawk's pro skater too. I had, I used to play that game for hours and I just had two songs that I would play like exclusively gorilla radio, bring the noise just back to back. I don't constant rotation. I don't think it's unfair to mention Tony Hawk because I don't think, I don't think sometimes like soundtracks to let's say video games or even movies sometimes are given enough credit Mm -hmm. for introducing us to a lot of the music that we listen to. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah. So, I mean, that was why I ultimately settled on it. It had a personal connection for me there. Like I said, this record front to back is just absolutely incredible. But when I look at this song, you know, I I think Chuck D's flow is just out of this world on this on this record. And this song especially, the beginning of the second verse, and I'm gonna give this an effort here. Uh who oh, knows how I'll do. But yes. you avoided this last time. This is great. Did I? Yeah, you did. You didn't want to <laughs> yeah, try and rap at all, man. Right. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know. You, I'm doing you, my version of rapping. You don't understand the joy I get out of you doing impressions and then also. <laughs> all 
All right. So he starts with the second verse and he goes, never badder than bad because the brother is madder than mad at the fact that the corrupt like a senator. Soul on a roll, but you treat it like soap on a rope because the beats and the rhymes are so dope. And just (laughs) the rapid fire delivery of that, the way that he's doing it so quickly and then just ending it with like, that's why the beats and the rhymes are so dope. I just think it's outstanding and so indicative of, of everything that's great about hip hop the way that it flows with the words and the way that it's braggadocio, the way that it calls out corrupt senators, like it's all there in that one yeah. introduction to the verse. And I just absolutely love it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree with you. I lo- also love the back and forth uh, between him and Flavor Flav. Like they have, like this song is definitely one of their, their better songs at them, uh, you know, not equally sharing the spotlight. It's Chuck D definitely, you know, commands a lot of attention, but audially, I should say, but visually, especially whenever you, you know, are in live shows or watching their music videos, um, you know, there's definitely more of a balance, but, you know, in the record, you know, you can definitely hear that, um, that energy and and that camaraderie between the both of them uh, through and through on this call, for sure. It definitely, it it, it connects to something that we had talked about with Straight Outta Compton as far as, you know, being that sort of like introduction. Yeah. Um, I mean, even though Public Enemy had been around, um, you know, before this album, uh, they, you know, they are even in not even just this album, but this song, you know, they still, you know, this, this felt like the, the introduction, you know, to, to who we know of as Public Enemy for, you know, the rest of their careers. Exactly. And then the next year they released Fight the Power for Spike Lee's. And then yep. 1990, they released Fear of a Black Planet. And they, yep. j- they just go on this run here where it seems like they are the most important hip hop group, the most important hip hop artists for a good, like three year period there. I mean, mm-hmm. what do you, nah, completely. in terms of like sort of even just subject matter, I feel like they, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like they have a little bit of sort of that, you know, rea- reality rap to them as well. And I don't know. I think they do it in a very different way, or at least I think, I think Chuck D does it in a very different, like very, I think, um, I don't know if you want to say more artfully done, but in comparing to like NWA, like I don't, I, I was just sort of thinking about that where like, I feel like his lyrics are just incredibly impactful too. And as real as like sort of what they're talking about as, as say like NWA as well. Absolutely. And I think the difference is that with NWA, they're almost presenting it as a first person narrative. Mm-hmm. Like they're a part of it because, you know, Ice Cube created a character and Easy E actually was that guy. Right. Whereas Chuck D, I feel like, is almost from a third person omniscient social commentary observer type of thing as opposed but but they do all have that kind of reality reporting on what's happening in that community, I think. You know, Steve, what do you what do you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I completely agree with you. I think that um you know, it was it was Chuck D who kinda of coined the term as far as, you know, hip hop being the CNN of the hood. Because, you know, Damn. it's definitely, you know, it, it, like they're, you know, reporting, so to speak, uh, a lot of the realities that are happening day in and day out, whether it's, you know, the crack epidemic, like in Night of Living Bayheads, or just, you know, police brutality and systemic oppression with Fight the Power. Um, you know, they, 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 they touch on every, or just, you know, more, ge- like, not necessarily general, but, you know, more direct things, um, like when 911 is a joke, whenever they did that song. And, um, you know, how, you know, the response of 911 and emergency services in the black community is dramatically slower than mm-hmm. in other communities, especially in the 80s and 90s. So, yeah, without question, Public Enemy is, you know, definitely one of those groups that helped to shed light on um, various realities that 
our existence that oftentimes you don't find a uh, more balanced discussion about in mainstream media. For sure. So I've already done my number one and Steve, that leaves it up to you. And honestly, I am so incredibly curious because I've been going through it in my head as you've been announcing these and I literally have no clue what it's going to be. I'm, I'm so pumped right now. He's a fucking mystery, man. So yeah, my number one song um, is a song that I feel is the most important song of 1988. Uh, I, I like, you know, and also thinking about the, uh, you know, foundation of hip hop culture and, you know, the, the purpose and, um, you know, principles in which the culture was founded on. Um, and the why behind that, you have somebody who, you know, um, so just for a bit of context, uh, um, this, this gentleman named Cornell Benjamin, uh, was known as Black Benji, he was a member of the Ghetto Brothers. He got murdered. And, you know, it was his murder, even though he was a peace ambassador, ambassador between these gangs, uh, his murder helped to, uh, incite what became a truce amongst all these gangs in the Bronx. And that truce helped to lay the foundation for, um, you know, other gangs like the Black Spades to be transformed into Universal Zulu Nation, which then creates the culture of hip hop. And so um, there was a song that was released in 1988 that I feel, you know, really connects directly with uh, that spirit. And um, I'll share my screen with it just because um, it's, it's often not even streaming a lot. But the song that I have for my number one pick of 1988 uh, is the Stop the Violence Movement song, Self Destruction. So yeah, that's damn. That's definitely my number one song of 1988 for sure. I mean, it's a first of all, it's the best hip hop super group you're gonna have of the entire era. Yeah, you got KRS One, uh, Cool Mo D, MC Light, Heavy D, Chuck D, um, Dougie Fresh, D Nice. You know, Stetsasonic is in it. Um, you know, every single and it's produced by you know the Bomb Squad. Um, and D Nice, so, you know, with Hank, or it's just, it should say Hank Shockley of the Bomb Squad with D Nice. Um, so I mean, it's just you know, uh, you know, everybody came together and formed like Voltron for a song and a message that um, was so important for the culture, and you know, and it's still important. I mean, they raised money for the National Urban League. Um, it raised over a hundred thousand dollars for the National Urban League at the time. Um, it also inspired a bunch of West Coast artists, you know, to do the same thing. Um, just within a year to do a song called We're All in the Same Gang, where you had every major West Coast artist of the time, um, you know, whether they were repping Bloods, Crips, whatever their gang, what Latin Kings didn't matter. Um, they all put down, you know, those flags or tied those flags together um, and, you know, created a unity around that too. And so it was definitely, um, you know, an inspirational and motivational moment um, for hip hop culture and representative of the true essence of hip hop culture. For sure. So, yeah, self-destruction for me, I think, is probably the most important and number one song of 88. I, I can't disagree with that. That's an absolutely epic pick. And Steve, <laughs> I'm so glad you shared the visuals with us because I think the video yeah. is what really ties this together. So, you know, folks at home will have this on our website, but you should also, you know, go to YouTube, watch the visuals with this one as you listen to it because it it adds to the whole essence of the track 
throughout all the imagery is just so poignant. And Steve, can you talk to us about the video a little bit? Do you know about how it came together? Uh, I mean, I know the video in itself was, they, they filmed it in um, Harlem. I know that much, but I mean, beyond that, I don't know exactly who the director of it was, but um, everybody, yeah, got together and, you know, made it happen for sure. I mean, you could just see, you know, they're, they're all in the park. I think they're in Morningside Park and are just all, they're either Morningside Park or um, in the top part of Central Park. I, I honestly don't know. I, I had to look back and check, but um, I don't know. Whatever, yeah, man. I mean, it's. Whatever was decided on that, like, it, it just for some reason, those visuals you know, staring straight at the camera, just head nodding, like still sort of like almost stiff, but just like, which I think kind of drove home the seriousness of the message. And yeah, I just, I, I feel like every pick in terms of like the imagery in that was, was, was uh, impeccable. It was, it was great. I, I'm very glad I just saw that music video because it's, it reminds you of just how important that sort of art form can be. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, the MCs rapping in courtrooms and in jails and out on the streets and then in a grave. Yeah, and, and, and the pictures of them all together, you know, kind of promoting this message of unity. I think all of it is just so important and just adds to the song on a whole nother level. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, um and even just musically too, it's uh you know, a heavy sample of James Brown's Funky Drummer, mm-hmm. um, which is probably the most sampled drum beat ever. Um, and then they also take bits of Pass the Peas, too, um, from the JBs, which, so, I mean, yeah, it, it you know, it, lyrically it's there, you know, um, musically it's there, the message is there, everybody is coming together all for the same purpose of, you know, and, and that's something that I wish we could see right now. Like, it wouldn't be awesome if we had Kendrick Lamar, Drake, J. Cole, Kanye, Jay-Z, um, you know, Nicki Minaj, uh, Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion, The Baby, Lil Baby, all these folks on a track together rapping about everything that we just went through this past summer yeah. and are still going through right now. And it's a bit, you know, but no, we're, you know, we're not in that space. You know, we, we don't have that opportunity, unfortunately, um, at this time. But, you know, or no, we do have the opportunity, but we're not capitalizing on it. And so, you know, we needed somebody like KRS to pull this together. Now, granted, the whole reason why the song existed was because a kid or a fan was killed at um, a BDP concert. So BDP's Boogie Down Productions, that was KRS's crew. Um, and so they had a concert with them in Public Enemy, and a, a fan was killed there. And it was just after another member of BDP, Scott LaRock, was murdered. And so you know, the biggest push um, came you know, you know, out of KRS-One's um, initiative to, to create a stop the violence movement. Um, and, and, you know, we have, you know, fans get killed at concerts and, 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 you know, people are killed by the police day in and day out. And we've got folks making songs about it, you know, here and there, but we really don't have the, the unity amongst the people who are, you know, the, the true influence makers in the culture uh, like we did in this song. So it's definitely, um, on you know, a a template for what could be right now as well too. I I think that's all of those reasons that you just kind of went through is, is I think a perfect, just, I don't know, perfect explanation and, and honestly a perfect way to kind of top off a list. It's um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm kind of like blown away after watching that video. That, that was really cool. I've never seen that before. So that was a really cool experience. Yeah. I've never seen that video before. That was, that was great, Steve. Thanks for sharing, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I think Absolutely. that I think that about wraps it up. Do we have any final thoughts on 1988 that we haven't shared yet? Mm. 
I mean, for me, I just think that, um, you know, it, it, as, as we move forward, I mean, it's not even going to be 2020 anymore. It's going to be 2021, even when this airs. <laughs> um, and so, it's, you know, there's 22, 23, 25, 30, 35, you know, as we keep moving forward, you know, my, my thing is to, to always never forget where, you know, you come from or we come from as the all culture. And so when it comes to hip hop, making sure that eras like 1988, 1994, you know, all these, you know, moments and, and, you know, time periods in the culture are still um, reflected upon and revered because, you know, they're important, um, not just for their time period, but, you know, again, like I said, you know, for where we are, and where we're going. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think that's so such an important message for hip hop fans today. Like, do your homework. Know where this stuff came from. Go back and visit these songs. It's it's not all about what's coming out today. And what's coming out today is great. Don't get me wrong, but make sure you know if you are a hip hop fan, know know this stuff. It's it's so important where it came from and you know how it's grown over time. Well, I mean, this was awesome. I mean, I know in terms of. Uh... In terms of sort of going through these lists, 94 compared to, to 88. I always thought, because obviously I grew up listening to stuff mainly coming through the 90s. And, and being able to kind of explore this, I'm one of those assholes that hasn't gone back. And thankfully, this kind of forced me to do that. I think I got to kind of agree with Steve here. This is, I, I really enjoy this. This era of hip hop is might be up there. Is, I think it might be my favorite thus far. Just, just through this exploration. But, uh, but I, I definitely, I, I definitely don't want to go without, without shouting out, um, you know, other folks we didn't get to mention, like uh, Ice T, Kid and Play, definitely uh, MC Hammer. Uh, you know, we did mention, you know, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. You know, Salt and Pepper, Too Short, Hello Cool J, all these for the Jungle Brothers. Um, you know, all these crews. I think you know, and then these individuals definitely, you know need their their bit of shine as well but you know, for they, sure unfortunately they didn't get to either of our top five so. and thank god for <laughs> for steve otherwise we wouldn't have had eric b and rock because Corey over here decided not to include a single one of these songs <laughs> in his list and uh well so anyways um i just really wanted to get the sad trombone out again yeah but uh, uh no, anyways. steve do you have give us two honorable mentions the two that were not talked about at all two songs to add to it uh, I would say Run DMC beats to the rhyme is my first, and uh, Big Daddy Kane set it off would be my second. All right, I got two. I got Run DMC runs house, mm. and I got <laughs> EPMD let the funk flow. That's real. I got it. Those those were the first two out. All right. Um, Shout out to MC Light Paper Thin though. Yeah, <laughs> dude, MC Light Light is a rock. What what an album. Yeah incredible stuff Steve, all right thank you so much for for doing this again with us i don't know the, the you two going going back and forth you guys are just bring a lot of information on this so it's fucking awesome so thank you for that yeah steve thanks so much i for appreciate coming on, you guys having me yeah thanks and for having me guys really appreciate it definitely look forward to intellectual property coming out february 13th Let's which, do this. Yes, sir. Coming out from Alex <laughs> off of uh, Justice and Entertainment. And then I guess it's also, I'm sorry, it's also being distributed by. It's going to be out on Bandcamp, but it's still going to be streaming everywhere. Um, Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, Pandora, SoundCloud, YouTube, everywhere. Definitely check it out. Um, definitely stoked to 
see the reaction to that will come of it as well. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Going to be excited to see what the fuck we're going to do next in terms of hip hop. But, uh, but yeah, this was a lot of fucking fun. Yeah, we're about to talk offline right now about what's next. But uh, expect something from the more modern era, I would say. That's, that's where I want to go great. with this next. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Follow us on all the stuff. Back Porch Media on Instagram, Porchback Media on Twitter. Give us a follow, give us a rating, whatever you feel. Um, tell, us, tell us where we may have gone wrong on this list. Tell so, Corey where he went wrong on this list. Tell me about how I'm wrong about <laughs> Eric B. and Rakim. I accept all criticism. Thanks for listening, everybody. See ya. Bye, everyone. <laughs>